Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. It is the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. I'm Rob Kendall. Casey's out today. The great, great Jim Merritt joins us in studio. So not only did I ruin all of your friendships at the state house, oh, Robert, now we're putting you to work. How about that? <laughs> I was so excited to do this today. You know, I showed up at your doorstep at the state house seven years ago, a fresh faced young man saying, Hey, we should do a community affairs show together. That'd be great. And we had a lot of fun for 102 weeks. Well, I had a lot of fun. I don't I know did. about you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Love commenting on it. Opposing you and supporting you. and it was Opposing uh, you is more fun than supporting you. <laughs> Well, that's a nice way to say it, opposing. Well, so, so for those who don't know, and people who listen to this show for any length of time know, but you spent 30 years in the Indiana State House. You were the number two guy in the Indiana Senate. You were uh, also had the grave misfortune of being the most recent uh, sacrificial lamb known as the Republican nominee for mayor in the city of Indianapolis. <laughs> well, I love Indianapolis, and, and I hope for the best for everybody here. And, and uh, you know, Robert, it's, it's just really difficult to watch uh, – Tele- local television or the news media, WIBC, it just seems like the the judicial branch is broken, and so is crime fighting. Yeah. And uh, the city really needs uh, to turn the page, and something needs to happen. Yeah, we're going to get into all the election stuff coming up here in just a little bit. But first, it was a big day in New York. Donald Trump took the stand in his uh, civil case. I, you, you talk about the judicial branch being broken, Jim. You, I mean, you have a guy in Trump who is essentially on a, in a civil trial in New York, and there's not a single victim. Yeah, and and, and he's going to turn into be a sympathetic figure. Yes, that's it, hard it, to do. It is, but his his polls have gone up. Uh, the Democrats are getting nervous. Uh, it, the their base is wondering what the heck's going on here, and that's a circus trial among many. And uh, it's it's uh, it's. God, it's a, it's a shame what's happened in New York State uh, with the Attorney General and everything the the, the show trial is going on there and, and it's, it's just such a waste of time. I mean, there is no it's a waste of time, there, waste there's, of resources. There's there no victim. There's there, no there's there is no, no victim. There is no bank that's this isn't American greed where you've got you know poor grandmas who are saying they were defrauded. There's no banks who are Trump paid back all the money. You have a you have a an attorney general who clearly and as publicly essentially stated as much that she's out to get Trump for political reasons. Directly. Absolutely. Not as much, but directly she said, if you vote for me, I'm going to tackle and I'm going to get Donald Trump. And so yesterday, Trump was obviously in New York and uh, as part of the... the hearing, as Trump often does, he went out and addressed the media during the process. Here's what he had to say. What a scam this is. This is a case that should have never been brought. It's a case that should be dismissed immediately. The fraud was on behalf of the court. The court was uh, the fraudster in this case. They made references to assets that were very valuable, and they said uh, 
they had no idea. They had no idea what the numbers were when they said $18 million for Mar-a-Lago. And it's 50 to 100 times that amount by any estimation. Uh, it's a terrible thing that's happened here. We're taking days and days and weeks and weeks. And it goes on. And then you look at the outside world and what's happened. But of course, they're getting the wish because I don't have to be here for the most part. But I sort of do have to be here because I want to be here because it's a scam. And this is a case that should have never been brought. And it's a case that now should be dismissed. Look, he he is right. It is one thing for people to have a dispute and that goes to court and this person believes they have been harmed and that's for a court to decide and that those things happen all the time on a criminal and civil level. And that's one thing. But there's nobody coming forward saying we were harmed by Donald Trump's behavior. Yeah, and there's also no one like the fathers of the city or the state and saying this is wrong, yeah. Republican and Democrat. I mean, there's got to be some uh, common ground out there. And and the idea uh, that that he wouldn't be there, regardless if he has to be or not, but we know he's a puncher. We know he defends himself. And for him to just sit down in Mar-a-Lago and, and watch these proceedings, you knew he would be there and you knew he would, uh, and, and reports say that he, he, was, a, he was a puncher, uh, in uh, he was boxing with the judge um, <laughs> well, verbally. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk about this. So apparently, he got into it with the judge mm-hmm. yesterday. Trump's attorney got into it uh, with the judge yesterday, and you've got this guy who is a blatant leftist, uh, you know, overseeing the the hearing, and his political views are very well known. And afterwards, Trump's attorney Alina Haba said this. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can stand up and say something when they see something wrong. But I was told to sit down today. I was yelled at and I've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear. I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here. And you know what? You shouldn't either. It just... (laughs) They, the, the, the hatred for Trump, Jim, is, by the way, Jim Merritt's in for Casey today. The hatred for Trump is so strong, and the left does this often, that they just can't restrain themselves. Well, it's also symbolic of the judicial system that lots of people exist or, or they um, experience these days, is that uh, justice isn't, isn't balanced. Yeah. And, and he is... They're making him a victim. Yeah, no, you're right. And and the crazy thing is, if they had just let Trump be Trump, and we'll get to this later, his unfavorables are out in a new poll. They're so high that it would just take have taken care of itself. But these people have no restraint whatsoever, and they just won't let the thing play itself out. Yeah, and and, and it, it's all about, uh, in their mind, getting Trump because of other issues they they they're they are quote unquote tired of him in new york and they're out to get him yeah all right uh one final clip i thought this was just a great analysis it's a little longer than what we normally play from audio but i i kept listening to it that i don't know where to cut this so andy mccarthy he's a well-known oh. uh, you know he's been on television he's on brilliant. radio he's former assistant u.s attorney just great legal mind he was on fox news yesterday talking about this case and i thought he just Again, a little longer than what we normally play, but totally worth it. I thought he really broke it down well. I think, first of all, this whole New York justice system bill is is fraudulent in the sense that these are elected Democrats. She is an elected Democrat who, as you point out, uh, campaigned for office on a vow that she would use the power of the state to get him 
which is a kind of a Soviet way of going about your business. The judge is an elected Democrat. Uh, so the whole system is not like what we have in the federal system where you have appointed prosecutors and appointed judges who are vetted by the Senate, at least in the hope that it will ensure that they won't use their power uh, in an abusive way. In, in this system, they're actually electing people on a promise of going after individuals, uh, individuals who happen to be their political enemies. So that should be troubling enough. But the other thing is, just in terms of like a sort of Eighth Amendment a punishment principle where you have in this case a situation where the penalty they're talking about is so out of whack with the infraction that it ought to back everybody up. I mean, if you want to tell me that maybe they should fine Trump a million dollars because he inflated his assets, you know, it wouldn't be my way of uh, doing a system, but fine. That's not what they're talking about here. They're talking about in a case where you have no victims of fraud, disgorging him of a quarter of a billion dollars or more of profits and putting him out of business under circumstances where there's not a single person or a single entity that actually got defrauded here. Uh, I thought that was a great. It was Andy McCarthy, former assistant U.S. attorney, kind of breaking down the Trump case. I thought that was a great well, analysis. He's, he's well balanced. He's yeah. a balanced individual. He's talked about other cases that Trump is in, 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 uh, involved in and, and been critical of Trump in those. So he's got a. He's very balanced, and and he's not a conservative zealot whatsoever. And and he, the, everything he said was true. And um and and the bottom line here is that. Trump's getting ripped. Yeah, you're right. All right, let's take a break. Jim Meriton for Casey today. When we come back, it's election day. We'll find out. We'll get Jim's thoughts on what's going on with the Indy mayor's race. There's a big race in Carmel coming up as well. We'll get to all that and more. It's Kennel and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. It is election day. <laughs> Jim, I got to tell you. <laughs> You've got a crew. I, what, a, what, a, what a following. I don't know, Jim. <laughs> Yes, we have some just very passionate <laughs> listeners on all sides. Um, so I don't know if I've ever been less excited about voting. I do have a contested race in the um, former suburban utopia turn high uh, density housing development stronghold known as Brownsburg that I that I live in. So Lots I have, of apartments. I have to. They do. They love those apartments, <laughs> there, don't they? Boy, industrial it, space used to be beautiful farm fields and local businesses and now it's Warehouse. warehouses and high density housing and boy that somebody thought that was a great idea uh but that aside it's a tax base well okay you're not gonna do that here <laughs> because you're too smart for that you know those apartments and those robert those my job today is keep themselves. you laughing you know that see this is what be, this is why i'm so glad you're here today jim jim merritt our our, our co-host for the day um because you understand government and local government and you know that high-density housing developments suck resources Absolutely. out of communities. They do not pay for themselves. And if you have a community like I do that keeps throwing these things up like they're going out of style, you really need to check the people that are in charge there because these things are money suckers and they totally offset commercial development. So Yeah, the um, schools, uh, the, the idea of yeah. apartments... Uh, with the property tax situation, the the, the uh, 
uh, the, the system that we put in uh, really does not help the schools no. whatsoever. No, and mm-hmm. apparently the five very high IQ people who run my community have not understood that. Well, you know yet. my feelings about but, that. But <laughs> it's on this. I got to go vote for one of these underachievers today. Mm-hmm. And um, people in Indianapolis will be voting for a new mayor. Uh, people in Carmel will be voting for a new mayor. And gosh, Jim, it just what a bunch of uninspiring people to vote for. <laughs> well, I can tell you this. Watching all their campaigns, they tried their hardest. They left they? it out. They left it Do out in the field. Do you think Shreve, with 20, Jim, if I'd have given you $20 million, was that the campaign you would have run? I'm not sure if I'd be here. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I uh, uh, that was, uh, running for mayor of Indianapolis is a, uh, it should be about a year and a half job and and uh and jefferson shreve uh he filed very very late uh, surprised our friend abdul surprised me and uh and and he he spent a lot of money uh he he put plans out there uh, he he was everywhere and and uh, i'm sure when he woke up the morning he thought it was groundhog day because i've been there and in marion county is a very democrat county let, let me ask you this because one of the things when you have the well period when you're running but when you have the resources shreve did does you've got to walk in there going i simply do not care what people think of me i simply do not care uh, if this blows up in my face, I am going to do this to the best of my ability. I'm going to go pedal to the metal. I am going to burn the place to the ground in the process. And if I lose, uh, it's like Rocky. Ain't going to be no rematch. Don't mm-hmm. want one. Mm-hmm. I may not walk out of here, but Joe Hawkson ain't walking out of here either. And it just seems like Shreve did not have the personality necessary to burn the thing to the ground, to burn Joe Hogshead and his people to the ground, which is what you got to do to take out an incumbent in a place like Indianapolis. I think I was quoted on state house happenings and saying, draw blood, yeah. <laughs> which is a little different than what you said. Yeah. But um, you have to get to the, the quote unquote jugular of politics. And, and we know money is the mother's milk of politics. So he had that. Uh, who's to say he's not going to be a victor today? He could. Yes. I mean, look, the, the number, at least the very early numbers. Now, that doesn't mean anything. And we're not saying, oh, my gosh, look at this. But the very early numbers seem somewhat positive for Shreve in terms of who had cast a ballot. Abdul talked about this yesterday. Does it mean it's going to be enough to overcome the long, strong Democrat advantage in the city? No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Now, does it mean, you know, maybe he loses by five, but a loss is still a loss, whether it's five, ten, one. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, I was chuckling because we were Casey was getting all those mailers from the state party, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Where in the world was this four years ago for you?" Yeah, they it, didn't do anything to help you. Yeah, it was it was the cupboard was bare. But uh, uh, but but my, my point in all this is, if he loses, he being Shreve, he's going to look back, and you really only have yourself to blame because he was seemed like he was subservient to Hogsett and responsive to Hogsett this whole campaign. When you, with all that money, had the ability to drive the narrative, the fact that we are to Election Day and we still have no idea where Joe Hogsett was during the riots, total failure on Shreve. Well, we talked about that for the six or eight months with Abdul when he's running in the primary. Uh, but um, let's just look at it a different way. Uh, in, in, in 2019, Donald Trump was polling at 19 percent job approval in, 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 the, in Marion County. 
and uh, and and also we were we raised about a million dollars, but you need thirteen. <laughs> but, but but let's fast forward four years, and and you can't pick up pick up the star or listen to WIBC local media without knowing somebody died last night of murder. There there are families of victims that are that are uh, very very very. Um, just decimated today every day of the of the week it seems every day of the year uh but but also uh you've got to uh, if you're if if you're a democrat do i really want to go out and vote uh you know joe hogsett was uh in this campaign saying let's finish the job well you know, every day you've got to finish the job. Yeah. And, and so it, to answer your question about Jefferson Shreve, uh, he 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 went for the jugular and sometimes missed. And he went for our jugular, the law abiding gun owners. It's well, tougher on us than he was on Boss Hawks. And, and, but we know that his, the other part of his crime package that he was his proposal, he went out was a lot like Joe's. Joe Hogg says, but the way I contended is what that the uh, administration of that program is would be so much different under Jefferson Shreve. Yeah, but Mayor you know, Hawks. nobody people aren't voting based on it's emotional thing, right? It is it, emotional it's, thing. It's, it's it's publicity. It's not administration. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Shreve has done next to nothing to figure out where Hogsett was during the riots. But one guy who has is our old buddy Robert Evans, and Robert Evans has spent he's a citizen here in Marion County has spent basically two years with these public records requests and has been repeatedly shut down and denied by Hogsett's people at every turn. He's going to join us when we come back. He's going to walk us through the latest on on the records request that he has made and how the Hogsett administration continues this very weird obsession of making sure nobody knows where he was during the riots. Jim Meriton for Casey. It's Kennel Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Early in the morning, factory whistle blows and rises from bed. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's out today. Jim Merritt in for Casey. It is election day and in the mayor's race. One of the great unanswered questions remains. Where was Joe Hogsett during the riots? Nobody knows. And one guy here in central Indiana has, well, he's done more than his part to try to get the answers. And he has been stymied by Joe Hogsett and his administration at every single turn. He joins us now on the WIBC hotline. His name is Robert Evans. All right, Robert, you have been on such a journey to try to get information from Joe Hogsett and his administration on where he was during the riots. It's a very simple question, and you've been blocked at every turn. Tell us about how frustrating this has been. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really frustrating, you know, and for me, it started off as this really basic question about, you know, the actions of the mayor's office after the riot, really after the report came out, because, you know, the report only speaks to the actions of IMPD. But it's, you know, going through this process with them for the last two years, it's, it's turned into me understanding that there's a huge problem with transparency in the state. There's also a huge problem with accountability in the state. So, you know, I, no matter how I turn, no matter where I turn, I'm just having a real hard 
time getting anything significant to answer a really basic question. Robert Evans is our guest. He has done just an incredible job trying to get the answers on where Joe Hogsett was during the riots. You can find him on Twitter at R3Evans, R3Evans. All right, Robert, so um, you heard during the debate, uh, Phil Sanchez asked the question, where were you during the riots? Hogsett gives this meandering answer, says it's all in the report. Debbie Daniels, who did the re- did the report, uh, apparently in an email to Shreve's campaign, said there ain't nothing in this report where this guy was. When you see stuff like that, that has got to be infuriating to you because Joe Hogsett basically is lying to everyone, it appears. I wouldn't even use the word basically at this point, Rob. You know, I, I've been really reluctant to accuse the mayor of anything. I was just been looking for answers. But, you know, I've read that report a lot. And it, nothing in that report, to, to Debbie Daniels' point, speaks to the mayor or his staff's actions other than the fact that it says, you know, that former deputy mayor David Hampton was on the street negotiating with IMPD that night. And none of the records I have back from them, which they've given me the totality of what they've decided to give me, speak to any phone calls, emails, interactions between the mayor, his staff, or any public safety official, other than some arrest records, I think, that came out Saturday morning. So it's, it's pretty frustrating that he's, he's willing to just lie to people in their faces to win an election. And for the record, you got no personal beef with Hogsett. You're just a guy who wants answers. Wherever the mayor was, if he was working, great. If he was somewhere else, okay. You just want information on where he was. Yeah, it's a bigger question for me. I mean, you know, I, I'm openly aligned with the Republican Party in the city and in the state, but this isn't about that, and a lot of people have accused me about that, making it political. This is really just, you know, me as a policy nerd wanting our city to operate better and wanting us to understand, you know, where we fail and where we can be better. Because the reality is that something like that day, those days, will happen again. And I, and I, I assume it will happen again fairly soon. And so I, I think... We all deserve to know where we failed and what our leadership did so that we can demand better of them. Robert Evans is our guest. We're talking about his continued quest to find out where Joe Hogsett was during the riots. Is it safe to say, Robert, that after two years of asking for information, you still have absolutely no idea what the mayor was doing the night of the riots? It's more than safe to say that's, you know, by looking at the records they've given me, that's a fact. I, I have no idea. The only records I have of any interaction from the mayor's office from Friday night were two one-minute phone calls made by David Hampton at about 9.30. Now, now who is that for people who may not know? Yeah, so David Hampton is the former deputy mayor of neighborhoods, and, and that's part of the administration. And he's the person that was on the streets trying to negotiate between the rioters and the police that night. So, you know, if you look at the – I've gotten their office phone records. I've gotten one email that they've given out. I've gotten their official cell phone records. And the only two calls made during that time period are the two one-minute calls from David Hampton. There is not one phone call or one email that can be attributed to Mir Hogshead during that time. Talk, take our take our listeners through, because people hear public records requests or FOIA, and they go, oh my gosh, and their eyes start glazing over. Take us through kind of this process and what it's been like for you, you know, how you submit things, and then these things get denied. Like, just kind of very, very high level, walk us through how this process has gone for you. Yeah, so really, it's pretty simple. It's on the IndyGov website to ask for a records request and you know we have access to the public has access to any meeting notes 
um, phone calls, conversations, anything that's an official action that the that anyone in the state does. So for this one, it's the mayor's office. So the very first one I filed was was really kind of broad. It was really, you know, tell me about the interactions of the mayor, simply put. And they said that there wasn't really anything. And then I got back this email that says, the mayor doesn't have an email address. <laughs> wait, 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 what? what? Yeah, yeah the, the mayor of Indianapolis does not use an email address. <laughs> and... You know, I couldn't believe it, but then I said, okay, that's fair. You know, he has senior staff. He has a personal assistant. So then I submitted another one that expanded it and said, you know, tell me about the actions of the mayor's senior staff, the mayor himself, uh, Deputy Chief Taylor, the mayor's personal assistant, trying to look at any way the mayor would interact with, with the policy issue. And at first they blocked that one. They said that I expanded it too far. So I ended up having to file a complaint with the state public records office who manages this process because they hadn't given me any, anything back. And so the state public records office said that I had expanded the request too far, but the mayor's office to their credit said that they would honor my request because they knew that based on, on the opinion that the state public records office had sent out, I was just going to refile. I made that really clear. It's like, okay, now I know exactly what to do. So you can either honor this one or you can, you can just let me refile. So, I, I did. I refiled on it, and I waited a month to give them a reasonable time, but I didn't get anything back. And then, and then the debates were coming up, and so I went back to the public records office and asked them. and said, "Hey, you know, what, what are my options here? Because they still haven't given me anything." And they made it really clear that my only options were to either ask them for a specific timeline or to take the mayor to court. So this is when they finally came back and sent me the couple phone records, uh, that the cell phone records. And that was it. So, so again, Robert Evans is our guest. You can find him on Twitter at R three Evans. Just a great follow over there, and and just uh, just a great uh, guy that'll keep you up to date on all these these the quest for the truth on what happened with Joe Hawkins. So, is it safe to say that after two years of work, you have just like literally a couple phone calls and maybe some arrest records, and that's it of what took place? from people surrounding the mayor and the mayor's office during the riots. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. So what I suspect is that they're doing a lot of their work on private cell phones and emails. And the only way I'm going to be able to get those is if I go to court. So that's that's really kind of the next step after the election. Yeah, and, and nobody's come forward. And this is what stands out to me, Robert. And we've talked about this many times. Nobody has come forward and said, look, here's the proof of where Hogshead was. I was on the phone with him for four hours. There's no, whether it's assistants, attorneys, uh, members of the uh, law enforcement, nobody that you've found has been able to produce any evidence whatsoever of where Joe Hogshead was the night of the riots. No, no one. And what's really, really interesting is the the final set of records they gave me, not only did they not give me anything that spoke to the mayor, they basically lawyered up. There's a couple records in there. There's five, these call them records. I can't tell what they are, but they're protected under attorney, client, or or client and physician, uh, patient and physician privilege. Oh. So, yeah, that's. I mean, that's what the state law that they're citing to deny them is. You, it's, it's. I can't remember the number right now, but it's the one that basically says attorney-client or patient-client privilege. We can't release these records to you. 
How frustrating. But no one else has said anything. Well, I, I mean, how frustrating has it been for you the past two years? You've been going through this. You're just a citizen, and you've got all these journalists out there, television, print, etc. And basically, WIBC is the only news organization consistently talking about. Nobody knows where the where the mayor was during the riots. How frustrating has, has it been that only a handful of people have ever even asked Joe Hogsett about this? I mean, it's, it's really disappointing, especially from the star. It, it just shows how the city is being so underserved by journalism here. Um, I, you know, I've, I've told... I've offered this evidence to a couple of the stars editors, you know, they've emailed me, said they were going to look into it and they never followed up on it. So, you know, my suspicion is that they have a question also that they don't want answered or they have a truth that they don't want exposed. But the basic question about transparency, you know, it's really interesting. They've written so many stories about library board meeting transparency issues and someone changed the meeting time at a library board meeting. That gets, that gets, front, that gets front page news of the star all the time. But, but they refuse to go anywhere near this question. It's like priorities, people. Well, look, Robert, I, and again, you can find Robert on Twitter at R3Evans is the Twitter account. He's a great follow over there. He'll keep you up to date on all these things we're talking about. Man, I, I just want to thank you on behalf of all of us here. You've gotten, you've just done a tremendous effort to try to get this information. You've been a great guest. I know you've been on with Hammer and Nigel, too. And thank you for all your efforts to try to find out where the mayor it, it was during the riots. It's pathetic. He won't be honest and tell everybody. But thank you for the efforts you're putting forward. Uh, thanks a lot, Rob. I really appreciate that. You know, all I have to say is to be continued. You know, this isn't about the election. This goes beyond the election. Uh, you know, plan on seeing us in court next year. 93 WIBC. It's the Kendall and Casey Show. 76% of Americans believe the country is headed in the wrong direction. And nobody likes either of the two major party front runners. 93 WIBC, Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob. Uh, Casey's out today. Jim Merritt in for Casey. So ABC News with the story. It's an ABC News Ipsos poll in which 76% of Americans, Jim, say the country is headed in the wrong direction. Well, it's it's really no surprise. There's been a, a, a the pandemic probably put a, a sharp, uh, spotlight on it, but uh, people don't trust their government. They believe the government lies to them, and they, they don't. Do. They, they don't think that they get a fair shake. They don't. And uh, and and uh, since I left the Senate several years ago, it you, you tend to. Uh, you get outside the uh, limestone yeah. and you tend to really gravitate towards understanding more about about individuals. It's interesting you say that because, and since you opened the door, I'm going to walk through it. You've <laughs> changed since you left the state house. Oh, absolutely. And I've been able to speak on a lot of different issues that I, I did not want to because I was the caucus chairman. I didn't want to step on toes on, on education issues and whatnot. Why? And, uh, because that is, we ran the Senate where people were responsible for issues such as the utilities committee with me. I, I, I talked about nuclear. I talked about, you know, coal and, and the future of energy in our state and our union. And, um, for instance, Senator Rods, who's the chairman of the Education Committee, he focused on education. So as caucus chairman, you have to – we weren't cylindered, but we were uh, kind of a stepsister. But, is, but that. isn't that the part of the problem is that you feel so wed to the institution or the party or whatever that you see bullcrap happen right in front of you and you go, well, I can't speak out on that? 
Well, yes and, and no, because you you have confidence in the individual who's chairing the committee, who is in charge of that issue, and and as well as you're really busy uh, working. I'm really busy working on energy issues, as well as knowing each individual um, bill, let piece of legislation going through the state house, because all hundred and what. 30,000 uh, people who elected me uh, are, and I, I support and they support me are expecting me to know everything. Uh, boy, did they make an egregious mistake on that. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, okay, so here's the other interesting part of this poll. Um, one in three, so 33% view Joe Biden favorably, only 29% view Trump favorably, and yet NBC has this poll coming out saying that Trump is lapping the field on Biden in most of these swing states, and so it is, the American people are basically saying, we don't want to choose between either one of these two guys. I guess if we have to, we're going to choose the guy that doesn't make food cost 10 gajillion dollars, but first one to get dr- drop either one of these two guys is probably going to win the election. Yeah, it, it's all about clarity and, 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 and having Having a certain, having a clear message, and Trump, you know exactly where he is. And with with Biden, he's reading off, trying to read it off a teleprompter. But you gotta, you gotta really try to be more unlikable than Joe Biden, don't you? Yeah, and but he thinks he is. And and a lot of times when he gets off script and he's trying to be likable, you're talking uh, about Trump. No, no, you're talking about Biden. Biden. Yeah, yeah okay. you know when he gets off script at the microphone, uh, off that teleprompter. He just doesn't come off well. And so the trustworthy worthy factor is is kind of a pox on all the houses of, of politicians, but uh, but more so with Biden because he's just trying to find the door when he leaves the press conference. This was super interesting, too. Less than half of black people, 49%, and Hispanic people, 33%, have a favorable impression of Biden. And that is like a made-for... Uh, voting block for him. I real quick, I want to play this clip. It's from this chick named Jasmine Crockett. She's a, a Democrat U.S. rep. And listen to this nonsense about why black people aren't supporting Biden and are now starting to support Trump. Here's the deal. Perception is reality. And so when you look at the data that was provided in this poll, it talks about how people feel. And when people decide whether they're going to the poll or whether they're not going to to the poll, it's all about how you feel in that moment. And so while the facts may not align with their feelings, their feelings are dictating their reality. Their reality is that they said that they feel better or they felt better when Trump was in office. But we've been trying to push back. We've got some very I just because I know we got to get to a break, but that is unbelievable, Jim. She's essentially saying what you're feeling because you're experiencing it. Don't pay any attention to that. Just pay attention to what we tell you on how it's going. Jimmy Carter lost because of that. Boy, that's terrible. Jim Merritt's in for Casey. It's the Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC.